and we can make our drink. Exciting. Okay, nice. so you brought the stuff for the drink. I did. What is the drink? Okay, so we're going to make a last word Oh, I've, heard, I've had a last word before. Yes, okay. and would you like to know why I selected it yes. this evening? Well, because I this is a spoken word audio cast. Um, yes, and I've prepared many spoken word poems about have you a variety of different topics. Um, no, actually, I picked it for two reasons. The first is that, well, three. The first is that you told me that I had to pick something that had maraschino cherries in it. Yes. Um, and Correct. this does. So I then was thinking that this drink has green chartreuse in it. And so because this is a Tableau podcast, it's like mm. a red green um, color palette. Oh, I see. So hopefully you're not colorblind, like 10% of the male population. No, it has gin in it and okay. Luxardo, like maraschino liqueur. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought you were going for like a click view thing because they have green in their like, that's like a really popular color in their oh. branding. Um, no, I was going for um, for a red green color. For color. red, I mean, it just kind of happened that way. But mm-hmm. also, this cocktail, although it is a prohibition era cocktail, it became really popular in the modern era because it was made at this bar in Seattle, Zigzag. Mm-hmm. It's kind with of like Murray a Murray Stinson, yes, bartender. And I mm-hmm. went there during boot camp on my birthday with my. Friend Sarah. Did you like, know that Murray Stinson doesn't work at uh, Zigzag anymore? I, I mean, when I was there, I was like, if Murray's not here, then I'm out of here. <laughs> you and, walked in and said, is Murray here? And they said no, and you just uh, tipped over a chair and left? No, I think I probably mostly made like awkward small talk with this group of people that I had okay. just met and then was like living with in Seattle but um, for a few weeks. But yeah, and my friend Sarah was also there, and she worked at Tableau too. And now she lives in Greenpoint. Weird. So cool. yeah, Seattle. I live in Greenwood. Tableau. Um, where is this? I was a little unsure because of the amount of maraschino liqueur. I originally was going to suggest that we do a variation on it with tequila because one time at this bar in Boston, home of the Boston Shaker, Mm -hmm. a bartender was like, oh, if you like a last word, you should try it with tequila. And it was actually really great. And I think because it was slightly less botanical, um, it kind of mellowed things out a little bit. But uh, then I went with gin for like an old classic. Um, understandable. Mm-hmm. Um, and because you said that you'd prefer gin. I do prefer gin. Okay. Okay. So, welcome. Thank you. To the podcast. Thank Cheers. Thank you for choosing the cocktail. Oh, of course. The last word. Um, Mary Kay Quigley. Yes. Known by friends as MK. Yes. Do people actually call you MK? They do. Everyone does. Okay. That's wait, really? You didn't know that? I I know that that's like how I you sign with you for emails. Like two years. I know it's how you sign emails, but I never. I don't know if I've ever heard someone call you MK. Oh yeah, everybody like, to calls your me face. MK. Yeah. People call you MK like mm-hmm. behind your back. I didn't know if it was like acceptable. No, well, see, I whenever I meet people, a hundred percent of the time, or I would say ninety percent of the time, this is what happens. I'll meet someone and then mm-hmm. they'll, especially in like a work environment um, or like especially at Tableau where I was client facing and I would meet tons of people all the time, I would say, 
hi, I'm Mary Kay Quigley. And then they would say, oh, nice to meet you. I'm Joe Schmo. Mm -hmm. And then 30 seconds later, someone would refer to me in the conversation and be like, so Mary, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. And it always really bothers me because my name is Mary Kate, mm -hmm. not Mary. Like no one calls Mary Kate Olson, Mary. That's um, true. So then my parents call me MK. Oh, that's actually not really true. My dad calls me Kato. Like, Kate with an O, not it. like Kato Kalin. Mm -hmm. um, although, who knows? I've never really asked him. But um, anyway, <laughs> I do live in a guest house in Brentwood. But um, so, yeah, I usually go by MK. Um, and people call me that, especially professionally. And that is okay. how I sign emails. Um, so um, that's great. Thank you for the background in your name. I really yeah. appreciate it. You're welcome. Um, I mean, you just took like, 20 minutes to take a picture. So I felt, I felt like I could elaborate. Yeah, but I'll probably edit that part out. So people will just think that you're crazy. Um, well, now the world and iTunes will know how I feel about people calling me Mary. So now that we've solved that puzzle, yes. um, you're a customer of Tableau. I am. Thank you for being a customer. I think I'm supposed oh. to say that when I meet a customer. Um, you've been a customer at multiple different places. And in I between... Have you were an employee of Tableau. So you've got kind of the gamut of Tableau experiences. And I wanted to ask you about that today. I wanted to kind of get your background and hear about maybe how you got started using Tableau and <laughs> so, and what your experience has been like uh, learning to use the technology and how that's uh, played into your career working with mm -hmm. data and maybe what's changed in between uh, starting at a company where you just got started with Tableau and, and then kind of going to a role working for the company and then going to another role working mm -hmm. for a customer again. Um, so maybe we can just start with your background. And sure. um, I don't know how much you want to talk about your previous job, but just kind of how you got started working with Tableau and what you did and, and what your experience was like. Sure. Um, yeah. So I would say uh, background wise, I... Um, well, I've always been like really into numbers and data. Um, I think even before I really, I mean, cause you know, when you're younger, no one's like, oh, I mean, I actually now, I guess people are very data focused, but I feel like growing up, I was always really like overly analytical about stuff. Um, I always really liked kind of things that you could solve has always been really attractive to me. Um, so then when I was in school, I wanted, well, I started as a chemistry major and I wanted to do like research and stuff. Um, but I was always really like attracted to the more quantitative side of chemistry. So then I switched my major to math after for two weeks deciding I wanted to be an English major, but then fearing being disinherited. Mm. I switched my major to math. And then um, through that, I had like a variety of different internships and stuff and would do like research projects. And I remember like, there would be situations where I would be using something that was very Excel heavy um, and it just wouldn't work and it would be breaking or um, this is really before big data was like a real hot topic that people talked about all the time, um, forcing it down everyone's like throat. But and I just remember thinking like, oh, this must just be all that there is unless you have like a super computer or something. Mm -hmm. um, or I'd be doing a lot of more like modeling in Excel, which I really enjoyed because it's really hands on. But then. You can only do so much of that um, and be in control of the calculations before you get into like like long-term, sustainable, scalable, like macro territory. And if I never have to see or hear about another macro in Excel for the rest of my life, I'll mm -hmm. be endlessly happy. <laughs> so um, all this kind of led to, I started working at EMC Corporation, which is now Dell EMC. 
And when I was there, um, I started on their pricing team. It was like enterprise pricing and a lot of it was done in Excel, but a lot of the reporting side of it was kind of facilitated through a more traditional, we used um, OBIEE, uh, which is a very more traditional um, business intelligence tool. Right. <laughs> and I remember starting- Did you use OBIEE? Yes, every okay. day. So you used Excel and you used OBIEE. Yep. Okay. And a lot of like Visual Basic okay. in Excel. Cool. And it was interesting because I remember like, I started at this job and I remember when I interviewed there, um, they, it was seemed like a very intense environment and everybody was so smart. And I remember thinking like, oh, I'm so nervous. Like when I start here and hit the ground running, like there's going to be so much coming at me. And like, I hope that I can like really, my skill set is like good enough. And then I started and I was like, why are we spending all of our time, like just reporting out information on what we were doing? Because it would take so long for us to, after we analyze something, to then have to like get the data that we needed. You'd pull it and then realize, oh, I need an extra field because I need mm -hmm. to be able to have this more flexible. So you'd go back to OBI and pull it again. And I'm not exaggerating when I say like these, this process would take hours, if not a full day. Like our entire Monday was spent on these reports that could have been done by like a computer, you know, a computer. But that's just the way that it was at the time. And like, I mean, we were doing the best that we could. And everyone on my team, including our manager, were like, this is insane. Like we're all very smart people. Why are we doing this? And it, there was like a variety of factors that went into it. But at that point, we ha I had an amazing manager. And I think that a lot of that in my own career growth kind of went into having really good people who believed in moving forward with new technologies and stuff. We started evaluating other tools and that's when we uh, found Tableau. And it's really funny because we had evaluated a ton of other products. And I was in charge of the WebEx or what the go-to meeting link the day that we had our demo with Tableau. Um, I think Jeremy Walsh did our demo. Mm -hmm. uh, and Good old Jeremy Walsh. Yeah. Shout out to Jeremy Walsh. Yeah. If you're listening, Jeremy, the story he's is- He's probably not. Kind of, yeah, he's definitely, <laughs> he's definitely not. So, well, actually, it's funny because um, I was in a conference room like away from my team, but I was- running this go-to meeting link and the building I was in, there was a fire drill. Uh -huh. So like five minutes into Jeremy's, you know, like, and now we're going to drag sales to profit, whatever. Sales to demo. Profit, yeah. Yeah. You know, when you're dragging sales to profit, <laughs> um, <laughs> every day. Uh, so the fire alarm went off. So I had to like shut my computer and leave. Um, actually it might've even been a real fire. I don't really remember. And so like we had to shut off this demo with Tableau like five minutes into it. And after five minutes, we were like, yeah, I mean, we're definitely going to get it. Like it only took five minutes for us to be like enamored. And also Rick Fuller um, yeah. was our sales rep and he did a very good job at working um, and encouraging us to like, you know, not give up and help us talk about enterprise adoption and stuff. And so that's when I started using Tableau and I immediately was really obsessed with it. Um, so we actually, I want to kind of go back on oh, yeah, a couple of things do, yeah. you said. So. Um, I was actually thinking about this today. So you kind of described this <clears throat> feeling of being introduced to this analytics world where you don't understand maybe why it's so convoluted yeah. or, or why it's not easier. And I was thinking about this today just in regard to technology in general because I was watching TV and I saw a commercial for Watson 
Mm-hmm. Right. And the commercials for Watson kind of amuse me because it's always someone having a conversation with a computer mm-hmm. and the computer just knows everything. Yeah. And they don't have to do anything. They're just like having a conversation and it says something cute and then it's like the answer to a really complex question. Mm-hmm. And I, I just I realized how much through working in technology, I've realized that nothing works that way. Oh, yeah. We talk about um, that all the time. That, you know, there are situations where you use technology and something seems like magic, but seeing how much goes into it, mm-hmm. um, you realize how convoluted it really is and how much uh, effort right. and, and how, how really nothing works that way. Right. And it's actually, I'm glad that you brought the point up to one of them is actually related to this podcast that I have a comment about. But one of the things I was so shocked by when I started working in this world was like, I was very lucky when I started at EMC that I worked on this amazing team that had very high visibility. And Sharif, who you know, who mm-hmm. I, is a current coworker of mine, we talk about this frequently that like, we were both like kids and we got all of this access and exposure to like these amazing projects and executive access and, you know, things that I feel like if I had joined maybe like one day later and been put on a, in mm-hmm. a different scenario, it, that would not have happened. So I like you would get these phone calls from these people who were running this like giant tech conglomerate and asking you for like really urgent data. And you would have to turn around and say to them like, oh, I'm sorry, I understand how important this is to your business, but like physically I cannot get that for you because I have to like, go to OBIE or whatever tool, mm-hmm. I mean, any traditional uh, BI solution and pull this data and then like hope that it's the right level of granularity and then go back and pull something else and this whole process and then um, take that, put it into Excel, do all this stuff in Excel, take the Excel, paste it into PowerPoint and then get like, you know, 17 formatting feedback points, which, you know, this whole cycle for something that like should have been as fast as they could think of the question, I should have been able to give it to them. And I'm a smart person, as was everybody that was has, I mean, many, many people who've worked in analytics have been in that position. Like, it's it's the most frustrating thing in the world because then you feel like, first of all, they do not want to know the process of mm-hmm. you going to OBIE or whatever and downloading stuff. Um, they just want to know the answer, like what is the standard margin or something. Right. Um, they also don't care that you can't give it to them <laughs> or why. Um, which I totally understand. And also that it's like not an opportunity for you to get on like a soapbox about, you know, <laughs> the status of business intelligence in 2011 or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. But um, that's why I think having really good executive champions within an organization is important. But I was uh, listening to one of your episodes of Tableau on Tableau and you were talking about how you saw Spotlight mm-hmm. and how important it was that they were able to find the data and look up the data points for the priests that were moving parish to parish. Right. And I'm so glad that you brought that up because when I saw that movie in theaters, I was on a date and in that scene when they have to like go to the archives mm-hmm. of like the... And they're reading through they're these reading binders. Through, uh, and they're like yeah. hand writing into spreadsheets and like hand typing into like a fake, probably like TV approved version of Excel. Yeah. I like turned to the person that I was with and I was just like, this is like giving me like visceral anxiety and he was like i know this movie and i was like no yeah well that but like come this is crazy also that movie took place in like 2001 so they definitely had excel 
I didn't need to write those data points out by hand. But you know what? It made it really dramatic and it caused me a lot of physical and emotional anxiety. So um, not to make it about me. No, I, I mean, I, I like that point. And I like Wilson and I have talked about doing a series of podcasts that are just like data analysis in movies. Well, Jeremy and I wanted to make that podcast called Data in a Movie. Oh, really? But then like That's he moved name. to Cape Cod. We wouldn't have thought of that name. Well, you can buy it for me or something. No. <laughs> okay. Um, but you and I actually have pretty similar backgrounds. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if I've ever talked. I don't think I've ever talked about this on the podcast before. I've talked to you about it, I'm pretty sure. But like, mm-hmm. I was an English major, so that's different. But and that's okay. I started working <laughs> at a technology company. And I also have like a story of really long and arduous processes for getting the data that I needed. Mm-hmm. And mine are like... Well, I had to I had to talk to my coworker Dustin Smith, who also works at Tableau now, mm-hmm. who uh, would bake brownies for someone who worked in IT who mm-hmm. knew how to write a SQL query because I didn't, mm-hmm. and that person would write a query for just the last month of data right. because I shouldn't have more than a month of data, and then I would paste it into Access, mm-hmm. and then Access I knew how to write the the word union, mm-hmm. so I knew how to union it with the other months of data. And then I would query the data with Access's like kind of grid mm-hmm. structure where you put wildcards in. And then I would export it to Excel. And then I would run Excel macros that I recorded, not knowing VBA, but through just like recording clicks. Yeah. Being like, I clicked on this oh, yeah, cell yeah, yeah. and then I pasted this thing oh, over here. Oh my God, that's like um, frightening. And so, I, I mean, I think a lot of people have stories like that yeah. from... Uh, what they probably still do with, <coughs> with how they work with data and it's so frustrating so i mean it's it just really it kind of rings true for me to hear that well it's uh, also oh yeah, sorry continue i was just gonna say i'm glad that you brought up using access and stuff like that because like most companies for a long time their analytics teams or bi teams i don't really like the term bi because i feel like it's more that's more reporting centric or mm-hmm. it focused but a lot of like data analytics teams or business operations, sales ops, uh, analytics teams, were like running companies, and many still are, using like shadow IT boxes of access. I know that mm-hmm. for instance- No, we had a, yeah. we had a uh, desktop that was under Dustin's desk that mm-hmm. we like used for this stuff. Yeah, and I feel like every single person who, I know that that's like, mm-hmm. I used to have to log into this, like, we would call it Greg's supercomputer or something. It was really just a desktop in my boss's office. It was, like, next to his physical computer. But it's just crazy to think about, like, I was on a pricing team of an enterprise storage corporation. And we were like, oh, I hope this access thing works out. <laughs> but um, I should also mention that at the time when we decided to move to Tableau, we were also just like, we need to stand up to, not stand up, but advocate for ourselves with the internal IT organizations as well as management to say like, we are smart people who are, have different, you know, um, needs and agendas than maybe the centralized system. And therefore like, we also need something like we, we ultimately went with a green plum database, which yeah. is, I guess, similar to, Isn't that it's like an MVP. Product? Yeah. Oh so. yeah. It's all, yeah. <laughs> and I was always a huge green plum fan. Um, I guess it's like similar to Redshift, but uh, it's based on Postgres. Um, it's great. I remember the first time that I ran a SQL query in Greenplum. Uh, it was about a thousand times faster than whatever we had going on before. And 
I just remember feeling like I was like witnessing a historical event, but it was really just that we bought a database that was nicer mm-hmm. than the free one that came with our computer. Yeah. Um, the <laughs> other thing that I was thinking about as you were talking was just like the types of questions people were asking. So like mm-hmm. in my old job, the I just remember the CIO being like, we just need to start counting stuff. That mm-hmm. was like his big point. He was like, we don't need to do advanced analytics. We just need to start counting stuff. Mm-hmm. Like no one is doing this. And that was just another thing that surprised me. And I think I think about it a lot every day because we talk a lot about advanced analytics and we go into customers and they mm-hmm. talk about like, oh, can you replicate our data science models and things like that? Mm-hmm. And that's all useful. But I don't think a lot of people realize how little analysis a lot of people do mm-hmm. and how just doing basic aggregations is actually revolutionary. Yeah. So what types of questions were you actually answering when you started this project at your old job? Um, So what we did a lot of, and this is, I think, why Tableau is so powerful, at least from our perspective, because when I was, EMC is a gigantic corporation. So during my, I think a little over three years that I was there, um, or maybe more, I don't know, I moved around a lot. So I got to see the use of Tableau from every perspective, because it caught on, as you know, uh, EMC is a big user of Tableau, but it caught on pretty fast. And also I like would have refused to go to a team that wasn't using Tableau. Mm-hmm. And also, <laughs> yeah, anyway. Um, <laughs> but but what, a lot of the questions that were interesting were like, we're selling these giant storage systems and like, what are we selling on them? Who are we selling them to? Um, what are like the new trends and how people are storing uh, storing their data? So, for instance, when I started at EMC, Flash was just be start like solid state was just starting to become a thing that people were really interested in. But mm-hmm. it, at that time, the concept of storing all of your enterprise data on a solid state system was like that just didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And then by the time I left, like every storage company was offering at least hybrid arrays, if not full arrays of flash. And I mean, obviously now solid state is the go-to, but with solid state, there's a lot of, you know, this kind of physics or the science behind data storage, which I could talk about for a while because I'm a nerd, but um, sometimes there's like trade-offs. So a lot of analyzing that, seeing what people are buying penetration rates. Um, also, it was really cool because working at a company that is really, really large, that has many brands and subsidiaries, there's a lot of things to think about, like cannibalism. Uh, yeah. Cannibalization. Um, sure. Yeah. <laughs> cannibalism. No, like cannibalizing the other products. Um, and then also, you know, like sold with, so t- sold through. Um, one of the biggest challenges that we would look at would be things about uh, kind of customer behavior, customer churn behavior, and then you know, install base, uh, mm-hmm. who's activating their products, how are they using them, what is their uh, kind of function for them. And I think one of the things that's really interesting that a lot of people who get into analytics don't always think about is that um, I remember when I would, I mean, when we started to use Tableau and we started to use Greenplum and we had all these different tools and it was really great because we were churning out a lot of awesome results. So we had a lot of power when it came to, you know, communicating our uh, findings to people, but also getting resources. I think, you know, you when you think about analytics now, you're like, oh, I want to look at, you know, customers who bought, you know, like today I bought a book on Amazon and it's going to tell me three other books that I should buy or people who bought this also bought this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're dealing with like a large 
corporation, uh, especially one that sells something like a enterprise hardware product, there's no such thing as like people who bought a large enterprise software product or hardware product also bought, um, you know, girl with a lower back tattoo by Amy Schumer. Like right. that doesn't exist because, um, well, most customers who buy those things enter into like enterprise agreements that last for years. So, I mean, the churn mm-hmm. on them, it's not going to be like, oh, Mary Kay Quigley purchased this product and then next year she didn't purchase anything. So what did we do wrong? It's, you know, how do we maintain those relationships? So being creative about that, looking at um, customer acquisition, new logos, things that um, a lot of kind of, I think what I was surprised by the most was a lot of questions that seemed very salesy or sales opsy mm-hmm. really do inform the business so yeah. much more than I think people give them credit for. Um, I think that... Um, you know, and you have access to all this like fancy customer data and all this stuff, you think you're going to go find the next, you know, like hidden gem of unknown unknowns. But honestly, if you just turned and looked at your Salesforce data, mm-hmm. you'd probably already answer a lot of those questions without like a fancy algorithm. Yeah. And when I was in my, my old job as well, I would think about how, <laughs> I guess how like crazy it was, how much power sales had mm-hmm. and how to, to influence everything else we did as a business. Mm-hmm. And I guess, I guess that was probably pretty dumb of me to not realize that I, that's important. I totally understand. Yeah. But, um, but I guess it's just like when you think about sales, you think about these guys who are just you know calling people and being like, "Hey, what's it going to take mm-hmm. to get you to buy some of this stuff today?" And you don't really think about how much it impacts like the business you're working for, or how much mm-hmm. like. I guess I just didn't really make the full connection between like the fact that I was getting a paycheck and that it was entirely financed by these guys and yeah. what they did. Um, and I probably should have, but um, how did your perception of that change? Because you you ended up working in sales for <laughs> yeah. Tableau, um, and you were a technical specialist, but you still worked on the sales team. How did that did that influence kind of how you thought about those things? Yeah, I definitely. Um, <laughs> it's yeah, that was you know those moments in your life where you wish that you could like go talk to your younger self and just be like what are you saying? You know, mm-hmm. um, there were so many times when, and I think a lot of, especially in the enterprise area of a lot of large companies, you hear about these like sales guys who have this kind of, a lot of sales guys that I used to work with, um, both even before EMC and long since after would say things like, oh yeah, when you're on the field, it's like the wild west. Mm-hmm. And like, we're doing all these things and we're going to these events. And then they would call you and like, you've just heard about how great the wild west is of like living this, exhilarating thrill ride of being in the field. And then you would get this phone call that's like, hey, the system quantity is off and I know I sold this amount and it's showing up as this thing and that's wrong, like you're wrong, Mm -hmm. fix it, like drop what you're doing. And I remember being like, well, actually I have a degree in math, so um, I'm pretty sure I'm right because I know how to do basic addition, but actually like this person physically was selling things like, if it was wrong, they were probably, you know, I. Also, again, kind of like the whole not being able to... something that happened to make your voice change to be like that? No, I think I've always had a similar voice. Um, No, I just... Because of the impression you were just doing. No, that was just me. I think, if anything, when I... During that stage of my life, I sounded probably more like Veruca Salt than anything because I requested a lot of resources. Veruca Salt, the character. From from, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Not the band. No. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I would sing. But no. Um, <laughs> no. But like, I just remember at the time, if someone was like, 
oh, this data, this dashboard is slow. I'd be like, uh, could we just have like more space on the database? Blah, blah. And then someone would give it to me. So I guess they were just reinforcing my behavior, which I think explains a lot about my personality now. But um, anyway, so moving to Tableau and taking this role, taking the role that I did, which was on the technical side, but in sales, I then became that person who now, from my perspective, I was, well, also, I never use the term Wild West to describe being in the field, but I could totally 100% sympathize and understand, empathize, maybe is the right word, with those experiences um, from the opposite perspective. Because when you're with customers every day and they're telling you something, you need to tell it, you need to go back and tell it to the people in your organization. Luckily at Tableau, you're so empowered as, I mean, you could be, liter as you know, like any employee of Tableau is very liberated to use Tableau. And like, there's so much transparency internally for data and the way that you can access it and play around with it that, I mean, luckily, even earlier, I was making a joke about someone I used to know in sales ops. Mm -hmm. And I was saying how like, although Tableau obviously has sales ops, some of the more like, berate not berating but um phone call ad hoc request phone calls you would get from some of these organizations at other jobs that i've had don't exist at tableau because you have the resources to do all like to quickly answer that information yourself you're, yeah. you're not very limited but um i now totally feel like i was uh probably not super helpful to the sales process when i was an analyst and then when i went to tableau it was just like eating Sour grapes, that's not the correct term. Eating sour grapes, I mean, like you lose something. I was very, I learned a lot. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so one thing that um, I have noticed about Tableau that I think is generally good, but I think there's some like weird side effects that come with it. Mm -hmm. um, I was thinking about this today. So the drowsiness. Well, that's, that's just something that I deal with <laughs> most of the time. Um, but... Uh, when you were mentioning like someone asks you for something and you might say, um, well, I can't provide that because we don't have it in the database mm -hmm. or because the, we don't have the capabilities to do that. And they don't really want to hear why or, mm -hmm. or, or whatever. Um, and I remember my last job, people had a fair amount of patience for I'll get back to you tomorrow on mm -hmm. that or, or whatever. And I've noticed that Tableau, um, perhaps because it's what we position our product to be able to do, or perhaps just because of the culture, people don't really have a lot of patience for yeah. me being like, I'll think about that and get back to you, even mm -hmm. if it's something that requires some thought. You know, like mm -hmm. I get it if it's just the answer to a question where there's a fact-based answer, but sometimes people are like, what do you think I should do on this? Mm -hmm. And if I'm like, I don't know. Let me think about it. Like, it doesn't usually seem like it's an acceptable answer. Yeah, that <laughs> I can definitely relate to that. Um, especially because so many times with customers, I feel like because when I would when we would be doing customer facing things, I I would say like probably my strongest skill in Tableau would be being able to like really think outside the box in terms of calculations. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of that stems from like I started using Tableau. I think it was version seven. Okay. Um, and LOD calcs weren't a thing and there weren't all the resources that we have now. Um, mm -hmm. but I remember, you know, things like making a histogram, um, before bins were available 
Or for instance, bins are great, but a lot of people would prefer to have a more control over parameterizing something like I would read these blogs and really like learning how to <coughs> deal with constraints of your organization or your organization's data and think outside the box. And so like when I would meet with customers that would have difficult questions that I knew Tableau was capable of, and I'm such a fan of Tableau, or I'm also very much like a, I'm sure this calculation could fix it, but I'm also a human and, you know, like want to be like best foot forward and think about it for a second. And I find sometimes that people will be like, oh, what do you mean you don't know like right now? Yeah. And I'd be like, oh, I don't even know like what data set this is, you know? <laughs> or you'd get a question that's like, yeah, we want to show this histogram of like uh, our energy use in our facilities over time. And I'd be like, okay, well, like, let me get at the data. And I'd be like, well, this is, looks like sales data. So I'm probably not going to come back with an answer until we get that energy data. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah. And also I think that because Tableau positions itself to be so flexible and customer driven and uh, so many of these things that it is and it's wonderful. And I mean, it truly has changed my career trajectory in so many ways, but I think that because of that way that it's positioned, that it's such a breath of fresh air for anyone who's used it, like anyone who's ever had to pull things from OBIEE or write a visual basic macro or whatever, then when you can't do something like a cascading filter, you're just like, but wait, what? And yeah, then you feel like you're owed that. Because it's a lot of pressure because yeah. you, because we, we sell our product, Tableau mm -hmm. sells its product as, you know, you can answer any question so quickly and it doesn't require technical skill. All you got to mm -hmm. do is be able to think of the question and right. answer it. Um, that when it isn't that easy or when it requires a little extra skill mm -hmm. or when it just requires some critical thinking, um, I think it can make us look bad mm -hmm. uh, as a company, I guess. I don't know. Um, I, maybe it's maybe there's some nuance to that. But um, one of the things, one of the kind of battles I feel like I'm fighting internally at Tableau a lot of the time is this idea that you can't you can't rule out critical thinking mm -hmm. right so i i manage a team and i propose a lot of ideas for you know how we can work with customers better or programs we can run mm -hmm. and the the results the, the responses i usually get are um how can we make it uh, a process and uh something where we don't have to reinvent the wheel the next time i hear someone say i don't want to yeah. reinvent the wheel here i'm gonna like shoot myself in the yeah face. um me too it, but i'll go to your funeral and then <laughs> i will shoot myself in the face. um i and my response is usually you, you can't you you can recreate process to some extent but you can't Mm -hmm. eliminate the need for critical thinking right um and we don't want to do that we want right. to hire smart people that are capable of thinking something through creatively and thinking of a solution that makes sense for the mm -hmm. situation because every situation is different um and that i mean it, when you say like thinking creatively about calculations is that kind of what you're talking about is this i mean because there's a there's a form there's a function in tableau to just being able to execute all the different things you can do. Right. But then there's also the ability to kind of think about what you're actually trying to solve and come up with a solution for it. Yeah. And I think that that is some, actually something that did tend to frustrate me when I was at Tableau and not even just when I was at Tableau, but also even now when I hear people talk, not just about Tableau, but about like any modern, mm -hmm. any of the concept of like modern analytics 
or even previously when people would complain about more traditional systems. And they would say things like, a good example was one time we were at a dinner with a bunch of clients in New York, um, a bunch of people from a company. And this man who had just started at the firm, at the company that we were taking out for dinner, he joined us and he was like, I'm new here, so I don't know how to use Tableau, but I was really moved by the presentation you guys gave today. We had done like a full, Jeremy and I had done a full day of Tableau doctor sessions where um, the company that we went to, Tableau doctor for, I guess people who don't know is when people like technical experts from Tableau go to do kind of like one-on-one -on -one minute clinic type sessions with people. But the company was so excited that we were coming that they decided to have everyone who had a question watch <laughs> us do the Tableau doctor sessions all day long. Which is kind of a cool idea. It was cool. Because it, I mean, assuming that you can answer mm -hmm. a majority of the questions. It also spawned <laughs> one of the most embarrassing moments of my life when, well, never mind, I'll get into that later, but, um, or probably not, but, uh, so this guy was like, yeah, I was really moved by all the help that you guys did today in the presentations. It really makes me feel like anyone with the right tool can be an analyst mm -hmm. or can be like an expert in their data to an extent that is true. But I remember just hearing him say that and being like, oh my God, wow, it's so great that he was so moved. And then I was like, Ex uh, well, no, because <laughs> yes, to a certain extent, anyone can analyze their data. I mean, when I um, at one point had student loans, I remember I used Tableau to throw some data in there. And then right away I was like, oh my God, because I visualized this in Tableau, I found a way to like shave years off of repaying my student loans. I knew nothing about the data of the website that I was using, but I was able to extract it, put it into Tableau and within seconds, I have an answer. I'm gonna shave years off of my repayment, mm -hmm. which was awesome. That doesn't, but at the same time, if you are you know, working at a company where you are one of the kind of change makers of analytics and guiding strategic initiatives and helping to influence decision-making, like you don't want a computer just doing your job for you. You know, right. for instance, I love doing calculations in Tableau because I love math and numbers and like data visualization and things of that nature. And if we get to a point where it's assumed that a software is gonna do everything for us, it doesn't even really make sense because then like what diversifies you from another company or you from another person? Well, it all comes back to the like bicycle for the mind metaphor, right? Mm -hmm. Is just, um, yeah, a bicycle uh, makes you faster, mm -hmm. right? Makes you more efficient, but there's still some people that are stronger and will bicycle faster than others. Right? And there are people and... who like are afraid to ride bicycles, mm -hmm. but try to overcome that fear by participating in Cycle for Survival this year. Continue. Are you, are you telling a personal story right now? You know what? Listeners interpret it as you will. <laughs> okay. Um, and I think uh, Tableau is is a good example <laughs> of something that's devised as a tool for to augment human thinking, right? Uh, not to replace it. And that's why I kind of have a problem with the idea that uh, machine learning and uh, algorithms are going to replace all analysis like there's mm -hmm. some people that believe that and i think it's not true because it doesn't account for the part of analysis that comes from ideas right um and and that's sort of the point of tableau is that i can have i can have an idea and pursue it uh with something to kind of augment my thinking 
Mm-hmm. Um, and to be completely honest, I think that most people who like do those things, like machine learning and things mm-hmm. of that nature, are probably the same people who don't believe that it will imminently replace things. I think it's more people who talk about those concepts that say, you know, or you know, self-driving cars are going to replace mm-hmm. humans or robots are going to replace. Okay, robots are a bad example, but virtual reality is going to replace human interaction. I, th- I think as you're saying that, I'm thinking... Um... Because I hate driving, and so I'm like really excited to I don't drive. The, the concept of having a self-driving car Me at some too. point. Um, so maybe it's maybe that all comes from maybe people that say stuff like that are people that hate analysis. It's yeah, like they don't like thinking about things, mm-hmm. so they really get excited about the fact the fact that a computer can do their thinking for them. Right. Um, and I guess there's probably a lot of people that like driving that are threatened by the right. idea that or could be automated. people whose livelihoods rely yeah. on yeah. driving. Sure. Um, yeah, and and that's that's definitely something to be concerned about as well. Like, because there's so many people, especially in New York, there's so many people that just drive cars for a living. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it kind of makes me think. You know, should we? Should we be concerned about that? Should we? Um, how how sympathetic should we be to people who are like, you know what, I don't really like thinking about the answers to questions or, or thinking about data or thinking about facts. So I'd rather just have an algorithm run and tell me the answer to mm-hmm. something and tell me what to do rather than me having to pursue a line of thought. Uh, how should we respond to those people? Well, okay, so it's actually really funny that you, this is kind of more of a thought that I just had about something that would come up a lot in those situations at when I was at Tableau, but you really hate driving. Um, mm-hmm. and I really hate driving. And I always tell people that I don't drive. Um, because I don't like, if it's ever a choice, it's not going to be, I have a driver's license. I can mm-hmm. drive. I at one point owned a car. Mm-hmm. Um, like to the point that one time, I think it actually might've been a customer or something at a conference. I was saying that I don't drive, which if you're a consultant or a, um, sales technical person at Tableau, like that's pretty critical to your job. Mm-hmm. I was saying that I don't drive and someone was like, oh my God, like, do you have a DUI? And I was like, no, why would you assume <laughs> that? But then I was like, I'd almost rather lie and say that I am not allowed to drive than have to drive. And it's interesting because I remember there'd be so many times when I'd be working with people using Tableau where I would get very excited about the data set that they were working on. And this is in no way meant to be like disparaging towards people who I was working with because they were, I, every customer I had was an amazing, intelligent person and they all had amazing ideas, but like, and they wanted to use Tableau in so many different ways. But I remember I would get really excited sometimes about their data set and be like, oh, what if you looked at it this way? Or what if you did this calculation that's a little bit harder, but what if you looked at it in a rolling way or a cumulative way, or we did this thing that, or what if you, mostly it would be like, what you want to do is achievable, but you need to take your data and reshape it right or you need to be committed to like the full ecosystem of analytics not just the visualization like you're not just going to take a (laughs) formatted report in excel and put it into tableau and although tableau can shape that data for you like that's not going to answer the question of why did you miss your number this year you know you need to have like a committed strategy and Frequently, we would experience people who were very jazzed about Tableau, but instead they would just be like, oh, well, no, like, we're just not going to do, like, <clears throat> you know, and it, I think it was very much the people who, and a lot of times it's this management, if you hate analysis, yeah, you're going to say that you don't do it. Like, that's why the idea of having an out-of-the-box software 
that does everything for you is really appealing mm -hmm. um, when that's not going to help you get to the um, I know this is such like a cliche thing to say internally at Tableau, but I still secretly like really like it. Like those being that type of person who hates analysis, just like how we hate driving, which is fine. You still need to identify the key people who can do those things or bring those people into your organization because like you're never going to get to the unknown unknowns, which are the things that should be keeping you up at night, mm -hmm. or at least they keep me up at night in my own life. So about data. Um so let me let me ask you this mm -hmm. um before you worked at tableau yes um if someone had come to you and maybe someone did and and said um if you could change something about tableau if you could add a feature if you could have if you could um change the way the software works in some way what would you have said that's a really really um I'm glad that you asked that. I hate saying that's a good question, but I, I think that's something I learned at Tableau. Uh, I'm glad that you asked that because I think about that a lot. Because before joining Tableau, when I was first using Tableau and when I continued to use it, I think if someone had asked me that question, I probably would have been like, if they could some way make it legal for humans to marry Tableau. <laughs> then that would make it perfect. I don't yeah, that's know. That's not like, exactly what I was getting. No, like I, and I understand that, but, and I think many people, okay, not to that extent, because that was weird and I already regret <laughs> saying it. Um, but I think to some extent I was so, I felt before I started using Tableau, I just remember I audibly said one time to my boss, like, I am so much better than the job that I'm doing now. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't that I was better than the job that I was hired for. It was that like, we were all better than the resources. Looking back on that and saying it out loud to another human right now, I'm realizing that was like a terrible thing to say. And if anyone is listening, do not say that to your boss. Um, but at the same time, like getting Tableau and having access to that, I just thought it was the most amazing thing ever that every feature that they had was so much of an improvement over anything I had seen. Mm -hmm. That being said, um, I'm trying to think back, like there were definitely things that, oh um, yeah, one major one was um, that you couldn't have calculations at a different level of granularity than the visualization and it had to be a table calc. And even still in Tableau, that's I, they have LOD calcs, mm -hmm. but they don't work with table calcs, and that is an issue. What do you mean they don't work with table calcs? Um, you can't have a table calc like as part of an LOD calc. It's not creative enough. No, you can have an LOD calc as part of a table calc. If there's no, trust me, we deal. I deal with this a lot, <laughs> but um, no, it's not just that. It's like um, the whole concept, kind of of. I'm probably saying this incorrectly, but. Um, I think it would be really great, and I used to think this then, and then LOD calcs were released the day that I joined Tableau, so that mitigated that request. Hmm. But it would be amazing if there was a way to almost create like data frames within Tableau, um, kind of like how you can use data.table or something of that nature in R, but within Tableau, I think was the one thing that... So what do you mean by a data frame? Not, I'm Again, like, like use... I'm probably not correctly for how it would be analogous to Tableau. I'm not mm -hmm. correctly using that term. But for instance, um, obviously, it's great that you can extract data with Tableau. Mm -hmm. And you know how an option is hide all unused fields? Mm -hmm. What would be great, and I remember thinking this very distinctly at EMC, especially pre-LOD calcs, is that if there was a way to create a extract of your data 
that was aggregated to a certain level of detail that you determined, um, but you could do that natively in Tableau. So more than an aggregated extract. Correct. Which you know you can do. Yes. Um, because you know how to use Tableau. Thank you, Charles. Um, but no, I know what you mean. Like I, I've like always, in a very I refer fluid to way. it. I refer to it as like using a viz as a data source. Correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that, okay, so thank like, you. That was my. Word. I can get to a certain metric or a certain calculation or a certain result by doing LOD calcs or table calcs or just manipulating the viz in a certain mm -hmm. way. But often I can't take that result and combine it with a result in another table or another view right. because of the way <laughs> I've manipulated the data in the calculations I used to create that thing. Yes. Like so. what would be amazing is if you could have a viz, it, could, it doesn't even have to be a crosstab. Say you have a visualization that's at like a, it's achieving your goals. You duplicate it as a crosstab. If there was a button that said like freeze as a data mm -hmm. source, that would be perfect. Yeah. I like that one. Um, okay. So then you worked at Tableau for a while mm -hmm. and um, how did that change your perception around Tableau, the software, and the company? Um, well, it's interesting. I think, like, I don't know if you, I'm assuming you know this about me, but the even getting the opportunity to interview at Tableau, I it was kind of like the feeling of, um, I would imagine, I don't really play sports, but, like, Getting called up from like a, um, what are they called? Farm teams? Sure. Yeah. In like baseball. Yeah. We're talking about baseball. I miss my- These are sports. Well, no, because okay. when I used to commute to customers in Hartford, Bill Kenny mm. would always talk to me about the farm teams because uh, <laughs> I don't drive, so he would drive me. Uh, but I mean, it was like my dream company to work for. I remember one time on Christmas Eve, my second cousin who like- He's a lot older than me and he has like had a really successful career in tech and we were talking about Tableau and he was just like, okay, so the fact that you're talking about this so much on Christmas Eve, like at a party is concerning, but I think maybe you should just like try to get a job there. Um, so when I started working at Tableau, I was just so in awe of like being there that I was really excited to like find out how everything worked. And I think starting there was a real shock to me because... Um, like everybody you meet for the most part, like you meet so many people who are just geniuses of the, of Tableau. Mm -hmm. Like they could have written eight, 18 books just about color scales or something. So that was crazy. Um, and I think one of the things that through that experience was so helpful to me to understand was why Tableau was the way that it is because I never went to Tableau training. I taught myself and I owe a lot of that to the amazing blog resources that are out there. And now that I'm a customer again, I find myself reading blogs every single day, at least once an hour about Tableau to get like tips and troubleshoot things and how to advance skills that are like almost hacking Tableau in certain ways. But I think that, what, so when you start at Tableau and they make you go to Tableau 101, mm -hmm. I remember thinking like, oh, this is either going to be just like a breeze where I can like pat myself on the back and everyone will think I'm great because I know how to use the product or it's going to be really boring because I already know how to use the product. And then, right. you know, when you're in a class and you know all the answers, so then the teacher is annoyed that you're there. Um, but it ended up not, like not being that way at all because the trainers were are so good at explaining to you, especially as a as an employee why things are the way that they are in Tableau, 
that a lot of the, I think, maybe complaints or something that I had had or lack of patience with Tableau started to make a lot more sense because I would say, oh, that's why, um, uh, I'm trying to think of a good example, but like, oh, that's why something that I never understood before is the way that it is. Mm -hmm. Uh, I also started to learn, um, I think more about customer problems and how they went through the sales cycle and how they got, uh, the feedback cycle kind of was to the internal team. And I think that, um, the best lesson that I learned up front, and this isn't even about Tableau, this is just like for my own career growth. I think the best lesson that I learned, even before I started, I remember Sally, uh, when I was interviewing, she was like, uh, the best thing that you can, cause she was like, oh, I'm really rooting for you, whatever. And then she was saying how one of the things that's really hard to accept about yourself especially if you're like a very analytical person and a smart person and learn when you go into a role, like the one that I had at Tableau is how to tell someone like, no, I don't know the answer to that. Or, Mm -hmm. um, like, no, I can't get back to you on that because that's not going to happen. Right. (laughs) Um, and not just setting expectations because I feel like that's such a cliche thing to say now, but really saying like, I don't know why we don't have dynamic parameters because I don't, no, what I will say is I kind of get the dynamic parameters thing. But like at my current job where I used to work at Tableau, and so people know that, mm-hmm. sometimes they'll ask me like, oh, why is it this way? And I have to be like, I don't know why we don't have cascading filters that work. Um, and I have like no logical explanation. Uh, but I'll get back to you on that. Except actually I won't because I don't work there anymore. But um, I'm sure the Tableau team will get back to you on that. <laughs> um. I think that's a great lesson to learn. I think Mm -hmm. that's something that in our role, the role that you and I were in, um, Mm -hmm. you have to exercise that skill a lot. Right. Um, I think that before you move on, I think the funniest part about that is like when I was at Tableau, I learned so much about, you know, how I could have improved on my former customer self Mm -hmm. and by being more understanding and whatever, because like hindsight is 2020. And then I learned this great lesson about, how to manage expectations and all this stuff in a very different way than I had learned at EMC, which obviously like you don't want to be in a job where you're just like that request, that request, that request, getting it done when Mm -hmm. you can't do that. Obviously managing expectations is really important and I've always been pretty good at that, but saying, I don't know, or that's not possible. That skill set. Then of course I leave Tableau and like, I was probably off the payroll for like 30 seconds and i was just like why don't we have cascading filters yeah what do you mean you don't know Mm -hmm. i literally was on a call i think with someone at one point who said like i don't know the person at tableau Mm -hmm. who would be the appropriate person to ask that question to and i was just like well i mean like what do you expect me to do with that okay yeah so i think that um i totally empathize so much more now with uh, my customers but yeah, no, I think that at the same time, um, understanding that, you know, there are things I don't like about Microsoft Outlook that I've used at many jobs as an email, mm-hmm. but I don't call Microsoft Outlook and like yell at them about it. So I think <laughs> kind of understanding limitations, just as in the way that we set expectations, maybe um, customers could also some like understand everyone is limited. Right. We can't be ever, you can't please all the people all the time. Well, it's a, it's a cool thing. 
I think it's a thing that I think is cool about working um, in data mm -hmm. is that there's a lot of respect and responsibility around facts and mm -hmm. just telling the truth and mm -hmm. you get a lot of credibility from it. Right. Um, so when you're someone that's trusted as an analyst and mm -hmm. someone asks you a question, even if it's not about data mm -hmm. and you answer them honestly, I think that like gives you a lot of credibility and also uh, influence in some right. ways because you you're trusted as as a purveyor of facts mm -hmm. and as a tableau employee i think doing what you're describing is really valuable and something i've learned a lot in my job is it's actually like advantageous for you even as a salesperson to honestly say no or i don't know mm -hmm. because you get in these situations where you're you're seen as more trustworthy for mm -hmm. not knowing something um, which is just a really interesting kind of facet of what we do. So. And I think that also it's, you know, I remember this moment. Um, I was at a customer site and it was a, they were already a customer and we were doing some like, a you know, uh, they had maybe one or two people who were using Tableau, but management at the company was starting to get really into the idea of Tableau. So we were going to go back and some people from their management team were going to be there. So it was pretty much ex explained to us that it should be like a very high level demo of, you know, Tableau's greatest hits and also explaining, you know, enterprise wise sharing things that are important to management and things of that nature to really, um, cause it, it was the customer who was telling us kind of what to say. Mm -hmm. And then in the meeting, it was me and Mike Benoit who is like one of my most favorite people that I've ever worked with. I think that he's like the best person on earth. <laughs> um, we were in this meeting and uh, one of the managers said to the guy who was like the de facto Tableau champion, like, oh, well, we're so used to seeing our uh, something financial, like our balance sheet, profitability, whatever, this way. And in Tableau, like you haven't been able to do that. And that makes me frustrated and whatever. And he was like, yeah, I'm not really sure. And you could tell you, everyone's been in that meeting where you're just like, oh, well, you know, if you look at it and mm -hmm. backtracking. And I know that I'm supposed to be in this meeting saying like, management, this is how you use Tableau. This is how we're going to share with your organization. You can like schedule and email and things of that nature and, you know, very high level. And I just remember being like, this guy, first of all, is like backtracking on what he's saying. And I felt bad because he was being honest. He was just like, I mean, I'm not there yet. I just started using Tableau. Uh -huh. And I was like, I know how he could do this. And I was like, I'm sorry to interrupt, but actually like, if we just don't think about the syntax right now, and I just show you this one calculation, like in seconds, like I can answer that question for you. So I just showed him how this to do this one LOD calc. And I was like, just type it. I know the curly braces are kind of weird, but whatever. And then afterwards, I was like, the reason why that worked was because Tableau is one of the only software products that can look at things at different levels of granularity. And then Mike Benoit obviously chimed in with, you know, about all the new features of the version at the time and things of that nature and how we're so much different. And even like the manager in the room who did not want to hear the word calculation at all was just like, that was really awesome because, you know, like, I feel like you guys went above and beyond for something that probably could have been more convoluted, but it was like you identify the needs of management and just were like, just do this calculation. Don't think about it. I will explain it later and break it down at your own speed. And I think that that was something that took me being at Tableau for a while 
to learn how to do in a very fluid way, as opposed to when I first started and I was probably like, wow, well, sorry to interrupt. Sorry, yeah, why am I using that voice? <laughs> uh, like interrupting like probably like the vice president of whatever. <laughs> and being like, well, have you heard about LOD? Because the way that they work is like, do you know two pass aggregations in SQL? Mm-hmm. Which <laughs> nobody wants to hear about. But, you know, learning how to say and deal with people in a way that's like, Getting to the core of what's important to their business, I think, mm-hmm. was a big lesson. Uh, I had a, a moment at the conference last year where I was doing my my typical Excel cat, uh, presentation with Dustin mm-hmm. Smith, and we how um, to Excel at Tableau. how to Excel with Tableau, and um, there was a part where I was kind of I was kind of improvising, and I was like, I'm going to show this level of detail calculation, and I like kind of in the moment forgot how to do it, and I was like, Nah, <laughs> crap, that didn't work, and then I tried something else that didn't work, and then I I was like, I'm just going to do a table calc, and then I did that, and it worked, and I was kind of embarrassed because I couldn't remember how to mm-hmm. do this thing that I usually do remember, and then Dustin was like, Isn't that amazing that we can just try all these different yeah. things all on the fly? I don't know, it was just kind of reminded me of that. It's kind of a cool experience. Yeah. Um, that's, I feel like, the funniest part about working at Tableau in, our, in the capacity that we both worked in is that, um, like, even though ultimately, because Tableau, you can do everything a thousand ways, like, when you're presenting to someone, you'll get the answer. It was probably, like, 20% of the time when I did a lunch and learn, like, even just the most basic thing, because I was so... I was doing a lunch learn presentation on, I don't know, optimizing something, workbooks. Mm-hmm. And then as part of it, I had like a throwaway moment to be like, oh, I'm going to, I don't know, write this table calc. And then I'm going to show you how like maybe not to do that. And then I would like just forget the table calc that was like part of the presentation and be like, or I'm going to make an LOD. Nope. Okay. Well, I'm going to do this. Well, it works now. Mm-hmm. And that was a test to see if you were. Nope. Okay. You guys all saw that that didn't work. Okay, cool. Well, I'll see uh, you next week. So yeah. glad this was recorded and just forever on your internal website. Mark Reeder is my favorite person to watch do that because he just, he has this way of just kind of like Kermit the Frogging him his way into like getting the right answer even when it's not doing what he thinks it is mm-hmm. or like the product could crash and he's just like oh well, i guess i'll do this instead isn't that great well that's <laughs> it like, just really works that's really funny that because so jeremy i learned i've learned so much from him <laughs> but he has a strategy of present presenting that <laughs> sorry <laughs> that's fascinating and customers really like it but i used to find it like infuriating because he would, oh, wait, wow. <coughs> oh, wow. I have asthma, by the way. Um, So he would always, like, downplay right away the fact that he even, like, knew how to use a computer. Mm-hmm. So then, like, if something went right, people were like, yay, Jeremy, double click on Tableau and it opened. And I was always just like, but that's, what? No, because you guys just got mad at me that I couldn't figure out um how to, like, do dynamic parameters using the JavaScript API. But Jeremy opened Tableau, so I'm really glad that. Uh, why am I here? <laughs> um, yeah. So okay, so when you were at Tableau, if you can mm-hmm. think back that far, I, can, I, um, I think I can. I'm assuming that your kind of thought process around what the product could do and mm-hmm. kind of how it worked changed. What would you have changed, like as an employee, if you could change something about the software, if you could have had audience with 
Andrew Beers for a moment to be like, whatever you say, we're going to build into mm-hmm. the product. What would you have, what would you have uh, suggested? Um, from the position of <laughs> the perspective of when I was an employee, I think more so than any feature functionality, I think would have been more like, I wouldn't even say messaging externally, but almost messaging about the story of the product and messaging internally. Because I remember when I was in boot camp and training with Tableau and they would talk about all these different customer scenarios and things of that nature. I remember they would refer to people as analysts all the time mm-hmm. in these, you know, like you're going to have an analyst and he's going to say this thing and then you're going to do an LED cup or you're going to make a bar chart. And I just remember being like, but those people aren't analysts. Like those, that those scenarios are all people who like my, and I mean this in no way disparagingly, I'm just saying in terms of like analysts versus other things like my friend Sarah who lives in Greenpoint her daughter is a very smart five-year-old like if I taught her how to use a computer she could also make a bar chart but mm-hmm. that doesn't make her an analyst that makes her a five-year-old who goes to Greenpoint schools like who knows how to use a computer and I remember thinking like as a former I used to do a lot of like pricing modeling and like analytics and I was very much on the in Sharif could tell you the same thing like we were both very much on the back end of the data environment and that's how we learned to really utilize Tableau like going into an environment where you're talking to someone who is in a real analyst role or even in a, in a data scientist role and you're trying to say something like, oh, and now I can see how um, to the, all these great analyst features that are just basic reporting skills. I remember thinking like, that's not really appropriate. Or I would be like, I would have never, the reason why I never went to a Tableau training was because I didn't have to go to a Tableau training because I already knew it wasn't going to be, I feel, I don't know if I'm like speaking out of turn, but I already knew like it was going to be very much catered towards a reporting person, like a business intelligence person. Mm -hmm. And I think Tableau was like the best thing that's, I don't want to say it's the best thing that's ever happened to me in my life because it's not, but like it's the best thing that's ever happened to me in terms of a technology product that I've used in my personal and professional life, like uh, in terms of data. And so I say this with like the utmost respect for the product itself. And obviously I love Tello. I worked there for several years, but um, I think that the way that they position themselves to the like more serious analytical space is a little bit off. Um, although now they're having an event on April 18th that has Tableau for Data Science. So I'm going to that. So that'll be interesting. Um, that also being said, I think that if I could have a sit down with Andrew Beers, um, and tell him like anything that I said had to be in the product, uh, at the time, maybe, uh, oh, the number one thing I would say is you should be able to duplicate a dashboard that is not a story, like not in stories. But I want to have a dashboard and then duplicate it and be able to apply different filters to that dashboard um, and have it not impact the other dashboard or the other worksheets, which I know technically they've made major improvements on that by having um, apply filters to only on Mm -hmm. sheets on the dashboard, but they still impact the sheets. Right. I think is important. And then um, I feel like I want to answer this question honestly, because 
So many things I would say now I have definitely been in the past like six months. Well, you can so. see where this interview is going. Okay. And and I think at some point I'm going to ask you what you would ask now. Okay. Right. So you can you can ho- hopefully you can separate like your current. Oh no, I'm very good at okay. that. I compartmentalize. Okay, great. <laughs> um, uh, I'm trying to think of anything else as a employee. Oh, formatting stuff. Formatting. Mm-hmm. Um. Formatting. Yeah. Formatting, formatting. Got formatting, it. formatting, 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 formatting. Okay. Here's what Sharif I want to do. If he's listening to this, he's going to make fun of me for repeating that. Because <laughs> we just had this joke today about people who repeat words. Um, so this is what I like to do at this point Ooh, in the podcast. Okay. Uh, I like to pause and get a second drink and okay. then continue. Is cool. that okay? Yeah, that's All right. fine. <sighs> All right. We got our second drink. We did. It's it is there and being drinking. Mm-hmm. I don't know where I put my. And pen. I have two cherries now. Yeah, because you didn't drink your first cherry. I didn't eat the first I cherry. Not that I'm writing down anything important, but just mm-hmm. that I did some more notes are good. The other night I took notes about what I wanted to talk. I mean, things I had ideas about on my uh, iPhone. I haven't have looked we, at them yet. Have we touched on any of them? Um, the first one is Spotlight. The second okay. one is Data Analysis and Movies. Jeremy and MK's podcast. The next is PTSD about data in movies. Um, PTSD about data in movies? About how sometimes oh, about- they misuse data in movies. Okay. I have PTSD. Another one was like, if it comes up, just obvious stuff about being a woman in technology. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to ask you about that. I can't remember. You, you said something earlier. And I was like, oh, it was just, never, never mind. Um, maybe we'll cut this part out uh, <laughs> if it doesn't go well. Um about just the fact that you go by MK, do you feel like that like has any influence on it? Like the fact that when you write an email to someone, if you write MK, like they might not know whether you're a man or a woman. Does that play into it at all? So it's not something that I've never thought about, but especially because there was recently an article, I forget who published it, but a man, you know, the classic authority on women, mm-hmm. wrote an article about how women in the workplace should go by their initials. And I remember seeing the headline and as someone who like just in my personal life I've always gone by my initials mostly I was like oh I'm curious in this and then like two sentences in I was like I'm gonna find this person and burn them alive (laughs) um because it was horrifically offensive and uh for instance at Tableau and at Job Sense my email has always been like M Quigley so when I sign and my emails, MK. My if I have a signature, it does say my name is Mary Kate. But mm-hmm. I'm again, that shouldn't matter. Um, but yeah, I do sometimes. I don't. I don't know. I just assume that people know I'm a woman. But um, I think that going by Mary Kate and not having people have to like think about my name maybe makes it easier for them to respect me as a human. But I, you know, I'm not sure. Okay. <laughs> and I'm like not even kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. No. I. I didn't. I didn't really think that that's why you used your initials but i it reminded me of jk rowling so i was uh, like i wonder JK if JK Rowling, which i'm pretty sure is part of that like part of the really plume for her i don't know maybe not but i recently went to the coffee shop where she wrote harry potter did you yeah and it was like a lot nicer than i expected and i didn't even go there on purpose it just i was there in scotland and then it was like okay. jk rowling wrote harry potter here anyway cool yeah that's all right all right. Well, I wanted to ask you about, um, you mentioned a couple things um, about this idea of like an analyst or a reporting person. Mm-hmm. 
And um, I kind of wanted to ask you a little bit about that because you just mentioned like the idea of, you know, does Tableau need a position better or define better like what what it means to actually like analyze data mm-hmm. um and i remember when i started at tableau um christian used to come into boot camps and i don't i don't know if he did it when you were at when you started but um, he was in london he used to come into the boot camp and just be like okay sell me tableau mm-hmm. and um, I remember I, I was new and I didn't, I, I didn't really even realize at that point, like what it meant to sell Tableau, but I mm-hmm. said some stuff and he was like, okay, so you want to turn all my people to analysts. And I remember thinking, yeah, but he thought of it as a bad thing. Yeah. And I realized and I later that. that it was like, okay, well, if you're a business person or if you're a leader in a business you don't want your people to spending to be spending all their time just analyzing data. Mm-hmm. But to me, it was just like, well, yeah, like I didn't think of it that way. I didn't think of it as a role. I just thought of it as an activity or a task. Um, so that kind of just what you were saying about like defining what, a, what it means to be someone who mm-hmm. reports on data, like kind of reminded me of that. And I was curious what you thought of it. Well, no, and I, I can totally see that. Um, he did Skype into us from London, I think, during my boot camp because he had just moved there. But um, I think, for instance, like, yeah, not not everybody who uses Tableau or who does data visualization or who does analytics needs to be like what I would define as an analyst. And it's interesting because in any industry that you work in, the term analyst is defined very differently. For instance, I now work in finance. And mm-hmm. to be like a analyst at a hedge fund is like that is a job title but it's not the same as being it's a financial analyst. yeah it's a yeah. very different role altogether um like year like eons different you know but um like different career trajectories and different backgrounds things of that nature but i think that for instance i'm one of those people like today i was reading an article about um taxes and the current administration tax breaks and things of that nature and it was it was um i read deal but do you ever read deal book on the new york times not really but i it's, know what you're talking about yeah. i'm like obsessed with andrew ross Sorkin, so i read like all of his articles <laughs> he's very good at breaking things down anyway he was saying something about how the article is basically saying like you can't just say that cutting taxes in certain areas would stimulate the economy and obviously he's an amazingly smart person and i'm obsessed with him as i just mentioned but even just like reading this article, the first thing I thought was like, obviously what he's saying is true, but like, I want to now have that data that he's talking about. And he's obviously just referring to like generalizations of historical data, but I was like, it would be so cool to take a data set about like the economy and then tax fluctuation and income, uh, GDP fluctuation and income fluctuation, demographic changes, and like visualize it in Tableau. Like that was the first thing that my mind went to. Like there are other people who, would be like, oh, I would love to read that information and summarize it in a PowerPoint or love to report on it. Like we all consume data in very different ways. Um, But not everybody is going to be like this person who needs to like try every single LOD calc to exhaust every possibility. Mm -hmm. And also that's not going to be everybody's job role. Um, But at the same time, I think that there are things that Tableau could do to make 
analysts who love the use of Tableau who are more, for instance, okay, am I allowed to swear on your podcast? Yes. Okay. Actually, I I put the explicit tag in oh. the RSS feed that I supply to Apple so that they can put it on their whatever their store. Oh, is. okay. So we don't. Re- I don't think Wilson and I really swear that much, but okay. I I mean I don't. Acceptable. We're not breaking any rules by doing so. So at one point when I was at EMC, I had this manager like I had switched roles at the company and um they had hired this new person who had worked at EMC and then he came back to run all of enterprise and mid-range storage. And he's still like one of my very good friends, Patrick Dennis. He Mm. is now the CEO of a software company, but he and I, in our first like meeting as him as my boss was like talking about the stuff that I was doing. And I was saying how there was so much cool stuff that we could do at EMC that I was working on. And I was like, but when I get these emails from the product program management team or whatever, about the Monday morning reports that need to go out to the executives. Like, obviously those are so important. And obviously the work that I put into it that go into those reports are very important too. And I was Mm -hmm. like, but like, it is literally keeping me from doing my job when I have to like provide all these different formattings or like, I mean, again, I think I've made it clear that like maybe when during this time in my life, I was like, I mean, like, why are people just doing these things for me? But I remember he very distinctly said like, Mary Kate, like, you are like what you're doing is right. Like you're working really hard and I'm, I was working really long hours and like doing all this work. And he was like to provide results. And he was like, you're smart and you're doing a good job. And he was like, don't let anybody make you feel like you need to be like a font fucker. Uh Like your job isn't changing things to times new Roman a thousand times. It's like producing output. Uh And if someone doesn't like, Calibri font. Well, that's a Excel font. If someone doesn't like Tahoma, which I don't like either, which is like the or Trebuchet, whatever the default Tableau font at the time was, they now have Tableau Book, which is great. Mm-hmm. But um, Tableau Tableau Semi Bold is my fave. <laughs> Tableau Semi Bold size twenty bold is really good. Um, color grayscale three. But um, you know, if Tableau, I think, made concessions to make those things a little bit easier for people, then they wouldn't be as frustrated about it being a re- more of a reporting style tool. Like if I could, I and mean, they have come a long way, but there are some formatting things like not even have express, not even having expressive text boxes mm-hmm. really, or having more flexibility with tool tips, things of that nature that would just save hours of my week probably. So that okay. I'm not then just sitting there being like, Oh, like again, I have to remember to shut off um, the command options for or control options for every single individual tool tip. Right. Um, but I mean, as far as as far as the point of, you know, I guess the distinction between like being an analyst and being someone who analyzes data, like does that does that come up in your new job? Like does is there um, I guess I'm I guess what I'm asking is like when you in in the role you're in right now, like, are you mostly, would you be considered an analyst by like the traditional sense of the word or, or how do they think about you in terms of like what, what types of data you provide? I mean, cause you're, you are sort of the reporting person in some sense, right? So I work at a hedge fund now and there are people whose role is hedge fund analyst mm-hmm. um, or portfolio analyst, I guess you just call them. 
that is like a very, very different role than what any of my customers at Tableau or any real other kind of type jobs would consider to be an analyst. It's like a very specific role. Mm -hmm. Um, So no, I would say that I'm not internally, that would not be how, or even externally to my own industry would be how I would consider myself. I'm a, I would say like a visualization specialist at my current job. Um, It's interesting because we're, without getting into like too much detail, we work on a lot of complex different projects. So it really, depending on the day, like my level of involvement in the actual genesis of a project kind of differs, but, and also depending on the data, which um, we deal with an amazing variety of data um, that is just like uh, really fascinating or whatever, but, you know, depending on the data source and whatever. And we have a great team of engineers that help us with the data processing. But I would say that in my current role, I provide more of like a, how do we communicate the data? I wouldn't call it reporting because it's not, like, I mean, I used to work with people whose literal jobs were like reporting. And it's, we're, Sharif and I, I mean, we both, have similar jobs, but he's in a slightly different role than I am, but we're both very involved in like the end to end process. And I remember, I think like at EMC, if I heard someone say that they were involved in the end to end process, I'd probably just be like, yeah, okay. Uh, just cause that's like such a businessy mm-hmm. term, but it's true. Like we very much have control over the way that the visualizations go down and like the way that the information is consumed and provide a lot of input. I think that because I'm on a data science team and I work with some truly the smartest people I've ever met in my entire life. Some of them are just like amazing people. I mean, everybody I work with is amazing, but and I can truly say that, but just like the intelligence and the innovation that I'm surrounded by all the time is like, I'm, I mean, you're great too, but in all, everyone at Tableau was amazing. <laughs> but not but, quite as much no, as but I just mean That's like, okay. no, it's fine. It's, it's awesome to be in an environment where every day I'm like, whoa, mm-hmm. that person is so smart or whatever, or it, I think it like to be in an environment that truly pushes me to be better at my job is really interesting. That being said, I do think that um, sometimes I think in not just, and I don't mean just at my job and I don't mean all the time where I work because this is definitely, as I said, very varied, but I have noticed even with customers when I was at Tableau that like people get very pigeonholed into roles mm-hmm. and like, the people who are making the visualizations, if you're like a smart analyst in the traditional sense, you should also be very involved in the like decision-making about how the data is structured and whatever. I'm very privileged to work at a company that is a, I mean, we're not a gigantic company where there's all these um, like 18 million different teams that every team focuses on a report. You know, mm-hmm. if I want to be, like, I, if I wanted to know what was going on in another part of my team, I could literally walk two feet over and be like, oh, hey, Bob yeah. Smith. That's not a real person. What's going on? Like, what are you working on? How could I help give you an input? So I think that my experience at this point in my life is very unique because um, of the role that I'm in and the environment that I'm in. But I would say that, I no, at my job, I'm not considered an analyst. But that's because that role is very different than... So, I mean... 
But to some people at my job, they definitely think I'm the reporting person. Well, that's the thing that I think And is, I don't like that. I'm sort of conflicted about because I think I think there's value in having people at companies who specialize in how to communicate data to others. Mm-hmm. But it kind of bothers me that that has become a specialist role because I feel like um, I feel like that it shouldn't have to be. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely interesting. Um, I've noticed uh, that people who sometimes are in that, and I'm not even just speaking about me personally, but I've noticed that sometimes when people who are in those more data communication specialist roles, it's they get those jobs because they are good at what they do, but mm-hmm. also because they have a true understanding of data. Like I, for instance, have like, the reason why I think where I am now, and Sharif would probably say the same thing, like, we like went through the trenches of having to write like pages and pages and pages of SQL. And it like at one point, and like, at least from my perspective, like I helped single-handedly build a like multi, like massively parallel processing database with like all these different compression styles and all, you know, mm-hmm. uh, partitioning and all this stuff. Like I know what I'm doing. I choose to do things more on the data visualization side. But what worries me is when like those types of people get pigeonholed into being like, oh, this person builds charts yeah, and everybody else and you, talks about the data. And you described the situation from when you worked at Tableau where you're in the, where you were with a customer and you built a complex calculation and they were really impressed, mm-hmm. right? And that is great. And I, I like that we can do that in sales situations or with customers, but it also worries me mm-hmm. that... There's this bias toward complexity uh, or algorithms or calculations that um, that separates visualization from asking questions. Yeah, and and I think that's bad for um, people that just want to get answers because mm-hmm. I think just just investigating things and getting facts out of them is mm-hmm. is really the point of all of this and when you separate it into all these different groups you you introduce uh points more points of interpretation where things can be spun right and i think that's that's a challenge and, and something yeah. that can be bad it's an interesting like transition because i remember when i was at emc and i would build a lot of visualizations when we first started using tableau i was so used to being on like the back end data side that when I would get to present things, I would constantly be told to build something by one part of our team in management. And then when I would go to present to like an executive type group, they would say like, okay, but this is very like um, quantitative and you have to take out like, instead of calling it this, call it this thing or dumb it, not dumb it down. But like, for instance, nobody, people love box and whisker plots, but they don't want to ever hear the word like interquartile range. Mm-hmm. And I remember being like, but that's important in like getting shut down, which is totally true. Like I now have learned amazing skills of presenting to management, but it's funny, like as I've progressed in finessing my data visualization skills and finessing my presentation in like business side skills and still keeping up with my, I guess, like more original skills. Like the other day, someone was like, we were talking about Tableau and visualizations and data analytics. And they explained what a correlation was to me. And I was like, I mean, 
maybe I'm just hypersensitive and think that like mm-hmm. everything is people explaining something to me, which I really don't like. But unless I ask them what it is, but I was just like, yeah, I went to college. Like <laughs> I know what a correlation is or like I know what um, an average is, but thank you for your time. Like, it's just kind of like, you know, you'd think that as someone in that role and I'm, I'm literally, I'm not talking about my current environment at all. Um, I'm just saying like in general, even like if I'm at a bar and someone is like, oh, what do you do when I say something about like visualization? And they're just like, yeah. So like, um, have you ever thought about like making a time series? And I'm just like a time, a time, a time series of what? Like, yeah, I've thought about making a time series. Like, you mean the line <laughs> chart? Like, yes, uh, that has crossed my mind in the use of a computer with data. <laughs> but thank you for your insights. Why don't you have another drink? That's, uh, yeah, like, uh, that could also just be a, I don't know. I think a lot about kind of like where that industry, like the visualization side of things is going and like, will we come to this weird full circle place where like in a year or five, we're back at these people who were once like kind of cutting edge analyst types now um, being the reporting people of their organization. I don't know. Well, with Tableau, I think it's interesting because um, one of the things that has built a community around Tableau is people that are more design oriented that Mm -hmm. have sort of built their career around showing how to do certain design things with tableau Mm -hmm. because it's accessible because like they they know enough about design to be able to build compelling visualizations Mm -hmm. but tableau makes it so they don't have to be so technical that they can't just build them themselves Mm -hmm. um and i i wonder you know a couple years ago i probably would have said that's like that's something everyone needs to invest their time in uh, is just learning more about design. Yeah, because, I totally agree. Uh, and now I'm kind of wondering if um, if that's necessary because because um, I think we lose fo- when we when we focus on that we lose focus on just the the interrogation of the data part part of it and how you know most of the time I spend in Tableau now is not building something that I think looks perfect, but just asking a question and then answering it and then not even building a visualization. Just being like, okay, I, I know the answer to that question <laughs> now. Now I'm going to go do something else. I think that... And, the, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Um, no, and I totally agree with you, but I think that it goes both ways because, okay, if you are... I would say to a listener right now, if like mm-hmm. you're a... If you're in your 20s and you're looking to get into like data viz or something Mm -hmm. do you need to be a design expert no because the majority like the chances of you working at a company that truly values your design capability is very rare like if you're good at what you do you're probably going to get hired by a company that already has in mind what they want to see i think that for instance i like hate powerpoint and i don't hate powerpoint the product i think that it's a great way of uh sharing information i look at powerpoints all the time but i'm never going like i never want my like i never want to feel like my achievement in life is being amazing at smart art because i am not that person like also there's templates like why would like there are so many other things you could be spending your time on but i respect so much like 
I remember one time when I was at EMC, my manager had gotten a deck of templates from Bain and he showed them to me. And I remember truly feeling like, just like, wow, I want to meet the person who made these templates because they're probably so cool. Like, cause they were just so well done and I could <laughs> never achieve that. And like, I probably just like very censored what I felt about the templates in that moment. But, um, what I'm trying to say is that at the same time, I think that we both went to that thing at sales kickoff last year about new ways to visualize time. Mm-hmm. And I think about that session all the time because it's like, there are times when I build visualizations at my job before joining Tableau at Tableau since joining Tableau where it's because it's what someone thinks that they want to see. And then they get angry that it's not that they get angry that the data isn't the story they want to tell. It's just that it's not telling the story in a compelling way. But when you say to them like, yeah, but this data is obviously very affected by seasonality. What if we looked at it in this other way that is not a line chart Mm -hmm. that is using a continuous date? What if we looked at it as a highlight table? What if we had the line chart and a highlight table and they're just like, oh, she's a witch. Let's. It's a, that was a really great presentation that Andy made. Yes. And I um, actually, uh, someone on my team co-opted that for a um, session at one of their customers recently. Larry? Uh, no, not Larry. Yeah. Uh, Baiju Patel, who um, yeah. for, for, again, another financial services customer. Um, but I think that I think that the message behind that is really great, and you learn about kind of how how you can think about things outside of convention and, mm-hmm. and how um, visualization is supposed to engage people. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that I have mentioned on this podcast before: is you know, it's not so much about um, there, there's this idea of visual best practices and what the best way to communicate data is, and that's really good. But then there's this also this other concept around how do you maybe break that convention when it's in your best interest to engage someone in some way where it's not just something they're expecting. And, and right. that's, that's a really important part of it as well. And I think that um, it's like a shock to people to see things in a new way. But like, at what point do... For instance, okay, so like anyone now who's like thinking about going into data viz, like, yeah, visual design best practices, you're probably not going to use them. I know from personal experience because I used to have to give a lunch and learn on them every single week. Mm -hmm. Did anyone ever adopt them? Probably not because management in most situations dictate what they want to see. That being said, like moving forward, we need to encourage people that like if they truly care about their data and they want to see things right away and they want to get those like KPIs like in their face, there Mm -hmm. are basic things you could do to see those better. Yep. And I think that I hope that new waves of people start to really adopt that as well. And then design becomes more important. But at that point, design isn't like a novel thing. And like the way that in which like new ways to visualize time, all that stuff, like that wasn't anything like changed the font to Times New Roman 600 times. It was like, instead of a line chart this way, do it this way. It was mm-hmm. like five second stuff. Uh, so that the, I, I interviewed Andy for a podcast one time and he brought up that concept. I think mm-hmm. it was actually before that session, but it was the same concept. It was his idea that the, that he would like to be remembered for Cotgrave's law, mm-hmm. which is, um, 
the more innovative and thought-provoking a visualization is, the less time it will be before someone says, it really should have just been a line chart, (laughs) Um, which I love. And it also reminded me of after the last podcast I recorded, me and Mm -hmm. Wilson, um, my dad emailed me and was like, you should make the... Because I made a joke about how being in the top right was always good in visualization yeah. like being up i love it. his and, quadrant, yeah <laughs> and my, my dad was like you should make that schaefer's law is if you're making a visualization you should always be in the top right that's it's amazing because literally if my parents even like took 30 seconds to listen to this podcast i would buy them tickets to see hamilton <laughs> i repeat if my parents can prove that they listen to this podcast, I will buy them tickets to see Hamilton on Broadway. Okay. That being said... Not to be one-upped by that, I actually bought my parents tickets to see Hamilton last year mm-hmm. uh, when it was still Lin-Manuel Miranda mm-hmm. performing, and my dad got food poisoning, so I went, which was great because I got that to see Hamilton. Great. <laughs> uh, I just listened to the soundtrack for the first time yesterday because Sharif like basically chained me to my chair until I listened to it. Anyway. I listened um, to two songs, but... So... The last thing I wanted to ask you was you're in this new role. You're a visualization specialist, apparently. Mm -hmm. Um, What would you uh, what would you provide as feedback for Tableau? What would you like um, now that you're back in a customer role? Like, are there new things that you've discovered that you're like, man, it would be really great if Tableau did this? Yes. Okay. Chaz, I'm so glad you brought it up. See how annoying that is when someone doesn't call you by your real name? I've been called Chaz before. I've oh, never I'm liked so it. I'm so sorry to hear but... that. No, I don't think, you know. <laughs> it was only, really tough. The yeah, only every person time. who I think like everyone by Chaz was like Chucky Finster's dad on the Rugrats when he was like trying to be cool. Anyway. I remember that. Yeah. That was a great show. But then he met his, his shorts wife. had like planets on them. Yeah. No, that was like one of the kids. Chucky. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, you not, meant. Not his dad. Mr. Finster. Yeah. And his wife, may she rest in peace. Um, but then he got remarried. Uh-huh. And they had Kimmy. Well, actually, Chucky's dad had to adopt Kimmy. But anyway, yeah, they, they went through a lot of stuff on that show. Um, and I would never encourage you to read the, like, weird conspiracy theories online about the true meaning of the Rugrats. Uh, so, yeah, one thing <laughs> I would say is that, whoa, this is mind-blowing. I can't believe that this – I was at two, Tableau for two years. I cannot – believe that this never came up with a customer thing because I feel like I made I feel like in my life and I think my current coworkers who have to hear the stories about my ins and outs in New York would totally agree with the statement. Although I don't personally feel like I'm the most approachable person, I definitely have a sign invisibly somewhere on me that's like, if you're crazy or you have an opinion, let me know about it. Mm-hmm. So I feel like during my time at Tableau, I intercepted my fair share of you know i think i i like at one point knew about a customer's plans and opinions about sedation dentistry like i knew a lot about everybody and this thing never came up and then like the day i left tableau i realized that they don't have cascading filter functionality and that is insane like I okay, love Tableau. I like want a tattoo. Well, I don't. Really. Let me let me channel Barry Sauerwein for a moment and say, how do you mean? Um, help me understand what you mean by that. 
cascading filter I feel like any way that I could ch- channel very sour wine would just be like really funny so I'm not even gonna try uh, <laughs> by chewing tobacco no by, by <laughs> I'm gonna give you I'd be like cascading filters you want to know about them I'm gonna tell you a story about my daughter okay um so anyway okay here's I riddle me this I don't know if that's the correct term use of riddle me this but um you go into a dashboard the first thing is like category whatever (laughs) so i select office supplies the next filter i can possibly select from is um merchant name you can select any filter you want though no, but I just mean like the next drop, quick filters. I'm so you've about. built, so this is like, I'm, for yeah, an, it's you're a an dashboard. user. Okay. I've built a dashboard. This is how it's set up. Okay. Got it. You go in, it's an executive style dashboard. Yeah. I'm an executive. Okay. I don't have a lot of time because mm-hmm. apparently executives don't I'm have with a lot you. of time. And to... you've included relevant values. Charles. No, I'm just asking. Yeah. Well, no. So that's actually, I'm glad you brought that up because this is the whole point of contention. So I go in and I select furniture, or sorry, office supplies. Mm-hmm. Now my next thing is um, merchant name, or merchant na- whatever. And there are only certain merchants that sell office supplies. So mm-hmm. I select, um, it's only relevant values. I select um, Bob's Beeper Co. Bob's Beeper Co. Perfect. Yes, Helga yes. Pataki's dad. Um, Big Bob's Beepers. And so wow, I- You're really calling out the- Nickelodeon cartoons yeah. in this episode. Okay. Um, I, this has been a very that like, was Hey Arnold reference. In yeah. case People didn't get that. Yeah. That was a okay, very. Okay. So we got we still got to hit on all real monsters. Yeah. We still got to um, hit on. Um, salute your shorts. So, no, that was a cartoon. We're we're, we're oh. sticking to Rocco's Modern Life, of course. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, one time, my mother wrote an angry letter to Nickelodeon about um. Ren and Stimpy. Oh, Ren and Stimpy, of course. Yeah, because that Ren and Stimpy was kind of fucked up. Yeah, and my mom was like, yeah. why is this on TV Like when mm-hmm. my child is being watched by someone who isn't me because I'm working? Did you ever mom. see the blog post I wrote about how... About Log? Yeah. No. It was a play on words because I was writing about Log axes, but yeah. I, I wrote the lyrics to the That sounds like something I'd be log, like very into, but... The Log song. Do you remember the Log song? No. Are you fucking kidding me? Is it from Ren and Stimpy? Because yes. my mom wrote an angry letter to Nickelodeon, so we weren't allowed to watch it. Okay, we're going to include this in the podcast. My mother also one time wrote a letter to my middle school saying that um, she didn't think it was appropriate for middle school students to be watching cartoon films like during teacher sick days or end of year. Like, you know, at the end of the school, well, at least in my middle school, at the end of the school year, like sometimes they would have like a movie day during class. So my entire class got together thinking that they were going to watch some like, oh, series of unfortunate events. Mm-hmm. And instead, we had to watch a documentary about spelling bees because my mom wrote an angry letter. And the teacher was like, you can all thank Martha Quigley for this because she wrote an angry letter to the principal. And everybody was just like, wow, way to wow. go, Mary Kate. Okay, so here, we need to listen to this real quick. Hey, kid, you want a toy? I already don't like this. This is from Ren and Sippy. 
But it's an actual log. Oh. Log axes are underrated. It's better than... Oh, I thought I said better than dad. It's better than dad. Yeah, I was like, wow, that's dark. (laughs) Huh. Anyway, Brenda Simpy. Well, I will sing the As Told by Ginger theme song that was also on Nickelodeon, but I won't. Okay. Um, I already, Sharif and I at work today did try to harmonize to the Growing Pains theme song. I bet you did. Yeah, we actually did. Um, okay, so anyway. Um, so, yeah, okay, the Cascading, cascading filters. filters. Yes, thank you for bringing us back. Because this is, I'm like very passionate about this. So, um, as my sales rep could tell you all about it. Uh, so, okay, so I select office supplies. The next thing down on the relevant values is, um, oh, it's Bob's a product. Beeper, yeah. Co, whatever. Yeah, 3M. Then the next thing that I want to select is like a state or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I see my visualization. It's great. That's cool. So then I go back to furniture. I mean, category, and I select furniture. Now, furniture is obviously not sold at Bob's Beepers Co., so my dashboard is blank. Mm-hmm. That's not cool. But do you see the list of other things? That are... No, it just says in parentheses, Bob, Big Bob's Beepers. Mm, I see what you're saying. Okay. And I totally understand like why that is, but that's like mm-hmm. not acceptable. So then you'd think to yourself, well, Mary-Kate, what if you embedded that visualization and then set parameters into the embed code? Unfortunately, when you do that, the second time you do that with the dashboard, if you set a parameter on something like the furniture, uh, drop down it will then only show you that one as a drop down option so uh-huh. then in that second link you can't i like i'll have to have you like come in or something um well not you physically but maybe natalie or something to look at it so that they can prove that i'm not crazy but like then that's the only drop down option like you wouldn't see office supplies or what is it technology what is uh-huh. the other one um in sales restore uh it would only let you click on office supplies which is frustrating you try to do this in the embed code links, but that has its own bevy of issues. Why can't the parameters just automatically adjust to having like a default setting? Okay. Just whatever the max is. Because when I took my gold certification, they really emphasized like understanding how max values worked on dimensions. And I thought that one day it would really come into play in my life. And boy, did it not, because they don't <laughs> even take that into consideration in filters. Andrew Barker. Um, oh, you know what? Actually, what I was going to say, I just mm-hmm. read on the release notes for 10.2 that it was like a server known issue that's fixed, so never mind. Okay. I was going to close the podcast first by thanking you for being here oh, and thanking you for being a customer and thank you for being my friend and uh, thank you for bringing ingredients to make a cocktail. And, um, and I thought it was a great conversation. And so um, I appreciate you being a part of, of it. Of course. You know what I just realized? Mm-hmm. The last time I saw you was literally a month ago. Was it exactly Yeah, almost exactly, because I left for Napa. Was it? it would, no, maybe it would have been like, I left for Napa the day after I saw you, and that was like March 5th or something, March wow. 4th. Weird. That's amazing. It is I'll amazing. have to see you again in one month. Okay. Um, what I was going to end the podcast with. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I didn't mean was, to. Was. 
dynamic parameters. Dynamics for Rams. Hashtag Dynamics for Rams. Um, because I think it's fucking bullshit that people are asking for this feature. I I think it's so stupid. Okay. I think it's just like a bunch of morons. You guys are a bunch of morons that don't understand what Tableau does. Okay. What I will say is that there are... Okay. I was pro... Dynam param. Morons is the wrong word. It's bozos. There are a bunch of bozos. Toads bows. Okay. And here's why I'll say that. Um, I was team Dynam param before I joined Tableau. Then when I was at Tableau, I was like, there must be a reason because they have a reason for everything. And like, mm-hmm. uh, the one thing I love about, one of, you know, one of the things I love about Tableau is like, everything they do is very based on like a theory of why they're doing it you know like there's never like oh yeah we're just gonna like okay except maybe fonts and formatting but um usually the dev team has a reason or it's like some font specialist said that this font was amazing so we tattooed it on our backs like that kind of thing and so then i was anti-team dynamparam because i figured there must be a reason you were for it and then you were against it yeah then i left tableau and i again was like oh yeah Fuck that, like, dynamic params. Then today so then and yesterday, I read, like, my least favorite thing to do is read comments on the internet of things, mm-hmm. because, like, that is where, I don't mean the internet of things, I mean comments on the internet yeah, I got, of things. I, yeah. I understand what you're saying. Um, so Tableau has this ideas forum where people yes. pr- can publish things they, they would like to change about the product, and then people can comment on them. Yes. And also they can vote on them, which is great. Um, and there's there's one for dynamic parameters and it has like a million votes literally yes. a and i have votes. never wanted to defenestrate my laptop more in my life than like when i read every single goddamn comment on the because the people who are commenting on it do not understand parameter or like don't understand filter because that's my point i have legit reasons i have had about 17 phone calls that led to nowhere about the JavaScript API for something that could be so easily solved by not dynamic parameters, but a change in the way that quick filters work. But I could see why somebody would think that dynamic parameters would be the solution. However, the people who actually comment, and this is just a plea that if you're out there with people listening who have good ideas about dynamic parameters, comment on the thing. Like, you are missing like that's not the point like here's why 95 percent of the people that want dynamic parameters want dynamic parameters it's because they know that using parameters instead of quick filters is faster Mm -hmm. and they're like well what if we just made parameters dynamic so they, they could update the way quick filters do but then you're just making quick filters. Right. So you're asking for quick filters, people. You understand that you're asking for something that already exists. And I would just like to go on record that saying that neither myself nor my colleague Sharif are trying to make parameters quick filters. We were trying to use... That's why I said 95%. Mm-hmm. There are 1 in 20 people that have a reason for this. Yeah, but if Sharif was like heard and I didn't say that he was, he'd be like, babe, you know, that is not what I'm trying to do. And then, like, four out of the other five people yeah. are are trying to do something with custom SQL where they, like... Oh, if I have to read another comment about the stored... Like, why are you using stored procedures? Just which like, is also stupid. Live your own life. Emancipate yourself from SQL slavery. Like, do something else. Don't do stored procedures. Like, get over it, man. 
Yeah. Okay, Greg. All right. <laughs> um, but then there's the 1% of people that probably have a use case behind it. But also that is something where like if you ask. No, you know who's the 1% of people who think they have a use case? The people who want most recent Sharif? date. No, is it 1%? no, no. Sharif? Is Sharif okay, one well, of the people the that has a use case? he is the 1% in a different way, but like he is <laughs> not dynamic parameters. No. It's the people who are like, well, look at a most recent date. Well, why don't you do an LOD call? Also, most recent date coming in 10.3. Yeah, no, I know that. Okay. I know, because I'm, I'm already trying know. to join the beta program. <laughs> um, I was just hoping to throw in like a jab at Sharif somewhere. Here, oh, um, let's see. How could you jab at him? Is he a bozo? No. Is he, he a nincompoop? No. He, okay, so it's funny, like, so since I started, I haven't worked with him in a while, obviously. Um, although I was one of his, uh, we both have worked on his former employer's account when we were mm-hmm. when I we were both at Tableau, and it's so funny. I forgot like one of the benefits of working with Sharif is that um, not only is he incredibly good at what he does, he's like amazingly smart and very, very good at providing pushback, which I think is like such an underrated skill. This is not going the direction I wanted it to go. No, but one of the things that I like think is the funniest thing about him is like his commitment to like bits that are funny or not. Like, for instance, the other day he decided to spread a fake rumor about me having a very terrible disease at my office. That and doesn't just, like, sound very it, nice. It wasn't funny or not. Like, it, it was technically my fault, but like. And he just, like, wouldn't let it go, but he committed to the comedy of the bit in such elaborate ways that I couldn't be mad because, like, he kept sending me these links to, like, support groups or, like, um, iPhone fundraisers for, like, iPhone cases that would support this disease that I do not have. And, like, it was so horribly terrible, but, like, yet so funny that I, if it was anybody else, I would have thought it was hilarious. Like, um... I forgot that he was so good at falling through on a joke. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, we'll finish up Okay. for the day. Yeah. Sorry, where did you want that to go? Oh, I was just hoping we could make fun of Sharif oh. in some way. Um, he once wore a leopard print zip-up jacket to work on a weekend. But I liked it, so. I didn't like it. I didn't even see it, but I can already tell I don't like it. Well, he already doesn't like that you live in Brooklyn, so. Well. <laughs> All right, Sharif. Well, All right. Brooklyn's cool now, so you're the one that's okay. out of touch. Yeah, it's okay. Okay, bye. 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 <laughs>